Hey everyone, we appreciate you listening. We'll get into the show in a bit, but just want to mention, go check out our Twitter page, at Midcourt Madness, for all of our show updates, as well as some breaking news tweets. Also, check out our website, where we post all of our writing at midcourtmadness.wordpress.com. Here's the show. On today's Midcourt Madness, we are previewing the Big East Conference. Now, they're a long ways away from the cardiac Kemba days, and lots of teams have bolted to other conferences, but there remains a lot of talent in this conference. Villanova is a flag bearer of this conference, while teams like St. John's, UConn, and Xavier will challenge them. And DePaul kind of sucks. Yeah. Let's get into it. All right, Biggs. We're going to get into some of these teams here very shortly, but I'm going to have you just give me a big picture layout of this conference. What do you think of this conference? What do you think of the Big East? I mean, it's been Villanova's league, and everyone else is just kind of living in it, right? I mean, everybody else is kind of fighting for second. It feels like it, – it, it kind of almost feels like a diet – like, you know how with the Big 12, everyone always just kind of says it's like Kansas and then and then everyone else, and mm-hmm. that's, that's changed in recent years a little bit, but – I feel like the Big East, like it's it's Villanova, just kind of running everything. Even in even in their down years, which have been the last couple of years, maybe where they haven't been as good as as maybe you think they're going to be, they're still just like so much better than everybody else. And it, it feels like the gap between them and and the rest of the field is still it's as great as ever. Yeah, and I know last year I want to say they had they have four teams make the tournament last year, which that included a Georgetown team that needed to win the conference just to make the big dance. So had they not won, they're they're left with three three teams in the con or in the tournament. And it's sort of surprising because I feel like there is a lot of good coaching sort of firepower. You know, you think of guys like Greg McDermott, um, you think of guy I Shaka Smart obviously his first season, so that doesn't really count. But but Jay Wright is in this conference. Um, Travis Steele's in this conference. I mean, I, it sort of surprised me because, like, when you think of good program, good college basketball programs, you think of good coaches, right? Yeah, you really do. I mean, you think. I mean, think Providence is Ed Cooley is always a, has always been a high quality coach. Um, you know, yeah, like you said, McDermott's good. Hurley is a is a rising star at UConn. It seems like he's a, a really high quality young coach, and, and it really has UConn kind of rolling now. Uh, you know, Seton Hall is, is has had good you know, basketball history in the past. So is St. John's, Xavier too. And, and maybe some of these programs are, there, there's, there's ebbs and flows in all of them. And and it seems like a lot of them have just been kind of, it's like none of them are, are particularly good and none of them are, are like, there's only one team in this conference that feels like that's just like really bad and like a long way away. But it doesn't really seem like anybody, it just seems like it's, it's Villanova in their own tier. You have eight teams all in that, and they could finish second. They could finish ninth. Kind of t- like there's just a fat middle of the class, yep. and then there's DePaul at the very bottom. It, it's really kind of weird like that, wouldn't you say? Yeah, I would agree. And so we're gonna do sort of same thing we did last week with the Pac-12, where we put these teams into tiers and talk about it. Um, do you have anyone besides Villanova in tier one as far as teams that could? Obviously, there's exceptions, um, and stuff happens. You know, for example, U- UCLA a year ago. But do you? Can you think of anyone else that's a national title contender? No, no. I think. I mean, I think Villanova is far and away the favorite to win the league. 
they're the favorite to probably go the farthest when it comes to like the NCAA tournament. They're the best equipped, at least, to go on a lengthy run, you know, deep in March. They're, I mean, yeah, they're 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 going to enter the year probably in the preseason ranked in what the top top ten, you know, maybe top five. Possibly I guess I'm not top really sure. five. Yeah, yeah, and and I mean, I think they're they're going to be as good as. They're going to be as good as anybody. They're going to be better than probably anybody in the Big East, at least on paper. Just with the the amount of guys they got coming back, they they benefited from, uh, you know, the fifth year kind of option for guys coming back as much as anybody getting two really high end guys. You know, yeah, and those two high end guys. I'm assuming, um, you know, we talked before about right when the transfer portal really started. I'm pretty sure this was announced within minutes, but Jermaine Samuels and Colin Gillespie both announced that they're returning. And they're sort of going to be the two guys leading this team into the season. And they give them a huge boost. It remains to be seen how Gillespie comes back from his injury. Was it an ACL? It was something with a knee. I think it was a meniscus. I don't think was it was it the ACL. Okay. So I'm guessing he's probably full go at this point. Okay, um, so not quite as bad. Yeah, I, I don't think so. Yeah, and then obviously their big loss is Jermaine Robinson, Jeremiah Robinson Earl, um, who averaged about 16 points per game. He goes to the NBA. But they do have other guys, Justin Moore, Caleb Daniels. Eric Dixon is a guy who's going to have to take a big leap. But one guy, and I saw this tweet, or I think I saw it on Instagram weeks ago, um, is College Basketball on Fox tweeting, or is, but what is it called on Instagram? Instagramming it out? Gramming it out? Sure, yeah. You know, getting, you know how Twitter is Twitter. Yeah, getting stuff out on the gram. But top returning player is just based off like where they're ranked coming out of high school and like I think it's uh 24/7. But Brian Antoine's a guy who in 2019 was the number 2 shooting guard in all the entire country. And I think he's he's had some injuries his first two seasons. I think shoulder injuries both of his first two years. But it's going to be interesting to see if he can actually live up to the hype and actually provide a boost to this team. Yeah, he's a guy we talked about during the tournament, if I remember correctly. I mean, he he was kind of one of the guys that that saw a big minute increase with Gillespie out. And, and you're right, he was a he was a highly rated kid coming out of high school. He dealt with, I think, a ton of injuries as a freshman, and then maybe maybe even more injuries last year as a sophomore. Just inconsistent playing time, but but you saw him play good solid minutes late in the year for them, and and you can kind of see the value he provides. I don't think he's going to be looked at as like a like an elite level scorer, but Boy, his just his length, his his athleticism on defense, his quickness, that kind of stuff is is something that Villanova's guards don't really have. They've got thick, kind of stocky guards, um, and he gives and he gives them a, a just kind of a different dimension. I, I could see him having kind of a breakout year. He's going to probably come off the bench, but Villanova loves to play small. They love to play three, four guards at a time. So I mean, I, I think his minutes will be up there. He's going to be a guy that I, I think they're going to need to produce and. You know, if there's a kid that that's capable, you know, I mean, you got to think that that pedigree is worth something. Um, it, it's t- it's time for him if he's healthy. There's there's talent there, so I, I do. I think he could have a breakout year for them. Yeah, and if he does, this team is going to be ridiculously good because he could be coming off the bench. If not, it could be someone like you know, Jamie, Justin Moore, Caleb Daniels, someone like that coming off the bench. So as long as, as long as all those three guys are contributing well. They're going to have a good six-man coming off the bench. That's always a good thing. Um, yeah. They they do have three four-star freshmen coming in. Um, de- remains to be seen if they play a lot of minutes right away. Um, I'd say as far as rotational, they they usually only go they, – they, they usually keep a pretty small rotation, I think. Like seven to eight guys. So like 
they also like, they've got other guys, other you know, role players. So the freshmen, it might be tough for them to sort of break into that rotation, but they do have the talent there. They always do. They play a they play a short bench. Jay Wright notoriously doesn't play a ton of guys. He doesn't use all of his scholarships. He's kind of ahead of the curve when it comes to we don't want to use all thirteen scholarships because we can't keep all thirteen guys happy. You're right, but how, how that's where I mean, how big of it, how big a deal is it that you get Gillespie back for a fifth year at the point guard spot? You get Jermaine Samuels back for a fifth year. These guys are like three and four year starters. You know, these guys are multi year starters, and, and two of their four freshmen are. You know, a point guard and Angelo Breezy, and 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 Nana Joku, who's like a top one hundred kind of big man. You got to think like a year where they can kind of learn in the wings and, and kind of grow at their own pace. That might mean they only play ten minutes a game as freshmen, but yep. um, you know they're able to come in at their own kind of level. And, and you've got guys in the at the at the with experience in the forefront, you know, gobbling up those minutes. That's a, I think that's a really great situation for them, mm. allowing you kind of to bridge. Um, you know, to bridge your way to the next to the next crop of guys. Yeah. All right. So, okay. Let's uh, we're gonna get into tier two here. Um, I'm gonna lead off just by asking, which team do you think could challenge Villanova the best, the most? You're the English teacher. Yeah. Who could provide the biggest challenge? There we go. Let's go with that. <sighs> Boy. I think I've got my eye on I've got my eye on two teams and and like I said in the in the early stage here I really do think there's there's like the difference between potentially team 2 and potentially like team 8 in this league I I really just think there's there's a huge mishmash from from especially like 2 3 4 and 5 I'm going to say I I think the team that has the best chance to challenge them is probably gosh there's two of them that I'm looking at I'm looking at Connecticut okay. Okay, I'm going to say them and St. John's. I'm going to say Seton Hall. But, yeah, St. John's is probably in that mix too. Those are probably the three. Uh, I'm going to say I'll go with Connecticut first, and you can can chat St. John's. But I I think Connecticut, even though they're losing Booknight, I know they're going to lose Booknight, who is a big deal. Uh, They got to play a lot of the year without him last year, and I I think they were okay. They weren't great. They were okay. They've got four top 100 recruits coming in. I think all those guys will probably play okay minutes. But they've got a lot of guys who are who are going to grow into bigger roles. Tyrese Martin was a really solid transfer last year, moving up from Rhode Island. He had he had a solid year, averaging like ten and eight. Uh, Isaiah Whaley is a big, athletic kind of swingman, kind of power forward type. Tyler Polly's a solid big man. R.J. Cole had a really good year in the backcourt, and now him and Jalen Gaffney will kind of have that uh, backcourt to themselves, where they'll be in charge of kind of handling the offense. Uh, and then I think Adama Sanogo, their big man who was a freshman last year, he's got a huge, huge upside. I think a lot of people think he's a huge breakout candidate for them in the middle, giving them a potential big-time difference maker up front. I do worry that they relied a lot on Booknight as kind of a high-level score and create all their offense, but but I do wonder if without him there's a freeing effect. And they played okay last year without him, like I said. I, I think there's a chance that their athleticism uh, allows them to kind of overcome some of the maybe the lack of like pure scoring. Yep. And you know, with Hurley teams, they're just going to be tough as nails, right? They're just going to be tough as shit. So they're going to really, I think they'll they'll win games that way too. Yeah, and it's going to be interesting to see because if I remember correctly, Tyler Pauly was sort of their sixth man a year ago. Is that correct? Yeah. Okay, so it will either be him sliding into the sort of that five spot or that Adama Sanogu, and you could just keep Tyler Pauly in the same role, really. I, I feel like it's really a hat and hat on who you start. And to be honest, it really doesn't matter. Yep. Um, and yeah, they do lose Booknight. That's going to be a lot to replace. But like you said, like 
they performed very well without him. Um, he came back maybe the first, the last three, four games of regular season, and they're probably still comfortably in the tournament. I think, let's see, they were a seven seed. Um, yep. Lost to Maryland in the first round. Um, but in addition to all the stuff you said, they also, you know, you mentioned like basically their six top returning guys, and they're going to be the guys eating up a lot of the minutes. They do have four top 100 recruits coming in as well. Um, Samson Johnson, power forward, Rasul Diggins, point guard, and two shooting guards, Jordan Hawkins, Corey Floyd. So those are going to be guys who, even if they have two of those guys who are able to come in and score six, seven points per game, that'll be a big boost to them. And with everyone else taking a big step, I do. I would say between them and St. John's, I'd probably give the edge to them. Um, so I do agree with you there. Um, but yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how they uh, replace Book Knight's production. Yeah, I think they're going to need one of those three guards, whether it's Diggins, Hawkins, or Floyd. I mean, they're going to need those guys, I think, to produce a little bit. I mean, you have Cole and Gaffney as your two guys in the backcourt, at least starting the way. And I think Cole could have a big scoring year. He averaged like 25 a game at his previous stop, which I think was he at Hampton before he transferred to Connecticut. I mean, it's it's a different level, obviously. But I think he's got bucket getter kind of in him where I think he can take a jump in terms of scoring. At least he's comfortable in that role. The same with Tyrese Martin. He's more of a kind of a power a power wing, right? He's not a great shooter, but he's going to slash and get to the rim. I, I do think they're going to need one of those freshmen probably to give you some production and some minutes off the bench uh, on the perimeter. But I, I don't know. I, I like their athleticism. I like their size. There's just something to be said about like these big, physical, tough teams over the course of a long season. Uh, does that mean that they have maybe the upside in the tournament to go really deep? Probably not. But but over the course of like 30 games, I think they could rack up a lot of wins just out toughing people, you know. All right, yeah, I would agree with that. Um, so yeah, let's toss it over to St. John's. And the thing that really jumped out to me about this team when I was doing my show prep, this is probably one of the more active teams on the transfer portal. They, they what? They got a ton of guys. Yeah, yeah, and they also lost a ton of guys. They lost um, uh, Greg Williams, Rasheem Dunn, Isaiah Moore, Vince Cole, all averaged between eight, eight and ten points per game. Um, all you know, quality role players. But they do return their top two scores, um, Julian Champagny and uh, point guard Posh Alexander. Julian Champagny, he's probably the leading guy for player of the year at this point, in my, my opinion. Um, but as far as guys who they got in the transfer portal, they get um, Montez Mathis, who is a key uh, key starter for Rutgers a year ago. They get Joel Soriano, who's a double-double guy at Fordham. They get Tariq Coburn, transfer over from Hofstra, who averaged about 15 points per game. They get Aaron Wheeler from Purdue, who, I mean, didn't put up a ton of numbers, but he, he was a good role player for them. And they get Steph Smith from Vermont, who averaged 13 points per game. Um, just a lot of talent via the transfer portal. Not a ton of tra- or not a ton of transfers. Not a ton of incoming freshman talent. Um, just a bunch of three-star guys. But with, just with getting Posh and Champagny back, um, it's going to be a good team this year. I think so too. I mean, we talked about them as one of our winners. I don't remember when it was. It was over the course of over the course of what felt like forever summer. Um, they did. They loaded up on just quality transfers. And if we're subscribing to the same rule we had before, where it was kind of the you know the seventy percent rule or the one hundred and thirty, the different percentages of whether we're moving up or down. Even if all of these guys do like the eighty percent or seventy percent rule, I mean, you've already got Champagny as your your for sure kind of locked in go to guy, right? He's your alpha. Mm-hmm. Posh Alexander, I think, is going to take a big step after having a, a really good freshman year. He's one of the best two-way guards in the league. Pretty sure I remember him being a, a menace defensively as well. So I think he takes a big step as a, as a sophomore. 
if you have Coburn, Soriano, Mathis, and Steph Smith all have kind of that 8 to like 15 point a game kind of pedigree, if all those guys even just give you 8 to 10, you, you've got now really good depth. And, and I think Aaron Wheeler was always a guy that at Purdue, when you watch him on his on his good days, Aaron Wheeler was like, a, this guy looks like he should be an NBA prospect. You know, and on his bad days, he, he shoots a couple air balls, and you're like, this guy can't play. He's your, like, eighth best player. You know, I mean, yep. he might not see the floor. Who knows? But I, I love the depth on this team. I don't know if I love, um, you know, their head coach, Mike Anderson. Like, he's, he's okay. You know, I, I don't know. I think with a different coach, I might feel a lot better, but – Kind of extension too. I do like St. John's though. That is, it's going to be quite. I think they've got a ton of puzzle pieces to put together, but boy, the pieces are intriguing. Yeah. Um. Let's see. Who's your, you said Seton Hall is your other sort of team that could challenge Nova the best. Uh, why do you like yep. them so much? Yeah, I like the Hall. I think they've got they've got some really good players coming back with with Jared Roden and Miles Kale, who are like multi year starters. Roden averaged fifteen and like seven last year as, as kind of a wing. He was kind of the 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 Robin to uh, who was the the big guy that they had, Mamu Mamu Kilishvili. I'm glad you got to pronounce that because I would have butchered that. <laughs> he was terrific, right? Their their big man was awesome, and then then Kale. He's been a three year or four year starter. Was is he? He might be a super senior if I'm not mistaken. I'm not. I don't remember exactly, but you know he's been a, he's been a quality player for them for a long time. Um, Ek Obiagu is, is a big guy who's coming in, and then they've got a couple of really solid transfers that I'm that I'm really excited about. Um, Alexis Yetna coming over from South Florida is like a defensive kind of anchor menace. I think he could potentially start at that center spot instead of Obiagu, um, and then Kadari Richmond, the transfer from Q's, he averaged like seven like six points a game and you know three assists. He's sort like, of an athletic he, freak, isn't he? Yeah, his he's more of a point guard. I think he's going to probably start as he's like a one-two type of guy for them, which is what they need. They need somebody to handle the ball and kind of make plays. They've got a lot of guys who who don't want that, and that was that was I think why he left Syracuse was because they didn't want to play him at at the point guard. He didn't get enough kind of ball handling opportunities. And and Syracuse, I mean, if you think about it, you know, six points, three assists that that's kind of ho hum numbers. But at Cuse, they play so slow. They're similar to Virginia. They look a little better because they have orange jerseys and they've got a better history, right? But they play that two three zone. There's just nothing in transition for for young point guards to to get out and get easy stuff. I have a feeling he could he could look a lot better. I wouldn't be honestly. I would not be surprised if he doubled his numbers. If he averages like twelve points and like five assists, I could see him being a really big time breakout guy and, and definitely a defensive menace too. And then and then Jameer Harris, who averaged twenty a game at American, you know he he started out his career at Minnesota. Uh, it wasn't really great as a freshman. He's an undersized kind of combo guard who's more of a shooter. Just didn't get a lot of minutes. I think on this team, you know, you see that 20 and a half points a game. He's like their fourth or fifth guy. He's just kind of a sniper. There, there's a chance that this team has has a really good diversity in terms of their their length, their athleticism, their shooting. They've got a lot of pieces. Again, it's kind of one of those things where you've got to put them all together. But, but boy, I, I think the pieces are really, really intriguing for this team. And there's some good – I mean, they can go eight deep of guys that – there's just something to be said about guys that you just don't hurt you a lot. Yeah, then they also um, also have three incoming freshmen. All one of them is top 100. The other two are probably about top 150 ish. Um, all four star guys who you talked about the eight guys already. Well, these three guys are nine, ten, and eleven. Um, yeah, so de- definitely a good thing to have there. Um, let's see. I got one more tier two team, and like you said, this this two through eight is very convoluted. It's muddled. Yeah, um, oh, that's a great word, convoluted. I like oh, that. Thank you. Thank you. Um, but yeah, my other tier two team, and then we'll get into tier three. Um, unless if you have other tier two teams, add. 
Um, but mine would be Xavier. They returned four out of their five starters uh, from a year ago. The one who uh, is sort of probably going to be the new starter is Jack Nunji coming in from Iowa. Um, good role player there, seven seven points per game, five rebounds per game. Um, not stellar numbers, but they don't really need stellar numbers when you have Paul Scruggs coming back. Um, you got Nate Johnson, both talented guard players. You have Zach Fremantle in the middle, who's a double-double machine, averaged about 16 points per game last year. Um, and Travis Steele is one of my sort of – I like this guy as a coach. I think he's he's sort of built up a good program. They missed the tournament last year, um, but I think he could sort of be like a coach of the year candidate um, when it's all said and done. Yeah, I think it's a, it's a big year for Steele, right? I mean, Xavier, he's been at Xavier now for – is this his fourth year? How long he he, he took yeah, over when Chris Mack left? Yep. And, and I think they've 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 just kind of maintained. They've been like okay, right? He hasn't had really a bad year. They haven't dipped. I I think if there's time here, they they need to they need to show it now because Scruggs is he's getting him back was a was a big deal. I mean, he's a fifth year guy too. He opted back in, which is huge. This league really benefited. I mean, not too many leagues benefit. I think more from the fifth year kind of opt in than than the Big East with Nova getting some guys back. Scruggs coming back as one of the best players in the league. I mean, him and Fremantle, that's got to be one of our best, uh, you know, inside-outside kind of duos in the country. I mean, Scruggs is awesome. Fremantle is a force. I mean, he's a stud, 16-9. and nine. He can shoot it from the outside. He can get inside. You're right. He, he just eats double-doubles. I love Jack Nungy, too. Seven points a game, five rebounds from Iowa. you got to remember, he's backing up uh, Luca Garza over the last two years. When he gets in, it's like he just produces, I think, with more minutes and a little more shot attempts. He he could potentially be like a twelve and eight kind of guy. Him and Fremantle up front is is going to look like they're not going to they're not going to wow anybody in the layup line because they're a bunch of big kind of clumsy white dudes. But I think they're going to be really solid. They're going to be really solid. Uh, and then could, you got could Colby this be Jones. the best front court in the conference. I think so. Yeah, yeah. I mean you got to think there's some there's some teams here that are pretty guard heavy with with kind of light light in the trunk up front. These two guys could kind of dominate people. You know, I, I do. I think there's some early potential for them to, to really impose their will on people. And then you've got some guards with Colby Jones, Kiki Tandy, and, and Adam Kunkel, who is a Belmont transfer, transferring up. There's there's some depth on the perimeter. It's not it's not maybe not great depth, but it's another team with like seven eight guys that are just kind of like decent. And and you're just kind of hoping like they're going to be in a lot of close games. You're just hoping that that experience with Scruggs, especially, uh, maybe gets you across the finish line for some more wins. So yeah, that wraps up my sort of tier two teams. Anyone else you want to talk about? Um, maybe someone I missed. Just call me out for a bit. Um, the only other team that I would think that I would consider probably maybe putting in that fat tier two is um, probably Providence. I think they're probably a tier three team, but I, I wouldn't be surprised. I just have a thing with Providence where I feel like you just kind of know what you're getting with them. They've been kind of down in the last couple of years, but boy, there was a run there for like five, six straight years where it's like Providence is just always just a son of a bitch to play. They're just tough as hell. They crush people on the glass. They play just a simple style and they've got some good guys coming back. They got, they got Nate Watson, who's one of the best bigs in the conference. I mean, he's a load inside or he's another one where on his good days, he just absolutely dominates. And, and then there's sometimes where he can disappear. Last year, he was finally a little more consistent. Uh, he's a he's a really high quality player. They bring in Al Durham from Indiana, who's a who's a solid guard. Um, you know they have Jared Bynum back, who's who's a decent guard. I, I'm a little worried about their perimeter depth. AJ mm-hmm. Reeves is a pretty good player, who's who's more of kind of a shooter, kind of a knockdown shooter type guy who could maybe take a step as a scorer. 
I don't. They're going to miss David Duke a lot. He was a guy who created a ton for everybody. They've got a lot of guys who play well off of somebody, and you know they're going to need a guard to step up. But something about Providence, where it's just like that. That team just it feels like they're just they're never bad, right? They're they're, they're at least decent. They've got a they've got a pretty high floor. Yeah, and you mentioned that David Duke um, lost. He's he's off to the NBA, um, and yeah, Nate Watson's another guy who he's an he's got to be a preseason All Conference guy. Um, yeah. you, you mentioned Al Durham coming over from Indiana. He averaged, you know, 11 points per game in the big 10. Justin Minaya is another guy. He might sort of slide into a starting spot. He comes over from South Carolina, not yep. seller, seller, not stellar statistics, but you know, seven points, six rebounds. Um, so I can definitely see it. The only thing is, you know, like I was, I like to look at sort of who's who left and who's coming in. Um, and especially for a team that missed the tournament last year, yeah. um, you know, I, I'd say they're definitely going to be sort of like a fringe team, you know, uh, last four, last four in, first four out type of team. Yeah, I would agree. And the thing about the Big East with so many teams that are, the thing about all these teams being clumped together is, is anytime, I mean, there's, there's a lot of, there's always, they, they say it about the Big Ten, right? There are so many opportunities. You, you beat teams, they're almost always going to be quality wins. But wins can also be tough to come by if you're playing, if you're playing quality teams every single night. Uh, so I again, I could see them if they finish third in the league, you know, or second in the league. You're looking at a, a shoe in for the tournament. It's also not inconceivable that they go six and fourteen because they're playing against teams that are just maybe a little better than them, right? Yep. Yeah, this is a team. They're going to have to rely a lot on Nate Watson. He's going to really have to anchor them. Um, yep. Let's see. Let's find another team to talk about. How about Creighton? What do you think of Creighton this year? That's a, that's another one that I consider that it's just like God. Everybody could be in tier two. I think Creighton is a little young, so I mean they're going to need they're they're going to be relying on some young guys a lot and some unproven guys, and it requires I think a lot of projection because there are some guys on this team that I really like, um, especially. I mean, I really like um, you know you're you're losing of course like Marcus Zagorowski, Mahoney, Mitch. They Ballack, lose their Williams. entire starting five. Yeah, and they like lose the not- whole starting five, which is huge. Yeah. And they're all, you know, at least nine points per game. So they're losing a lot. Yeah, a, a really good starting five, which is, which is a bummer. It was a team that was really fun to watch over the last two years with with some of those guys. Antoine Jones was a guy that I'm bummed that they lost him too because, boy, he only he only averaged about three and a half points a game. But he's another one. Man, when he got minutes for them, I, I really was impressed. And I thought, God, he just, just give him another year. Like once he plays more, I think he's going to have a chance. Do you think that's a case where we talked about sort of like the down, like the bad side of the transfer portal, like where, you know, he comes in as a freshman, doesn't get quite as much playing time as he thought he was. And then even though the next year he's probably going to get a lot more, he's like, nope, I'm bolting. Yeah, it's it's too bad. You're right. Um, I do think a guy that, that is in that mix, though, is Sharif Mitchell, their point guard. He's another guy that when he got minutes for them, I thought, man, I like what this kid does. You know, he, he doesn't. He doesn't score a ton, but I, I think he he gets after you. He's a dog defensively. And he's really good at getting into the paint. And the way they space the floor and move the ball, it feels like Greg McDermott's it's showing. I mean, he he does a good job developing kids. You know, guys get better under them, and, and I feel like he could maybe he could maybe be a breakout guy for them. Uh, you know, Alex O'Connell what wisened up. You know, he made a really poor choice going to Duke. Obviously, yeah. you know, kids make mistakes, and and I think he showed he's smart enough. You know, I don't want to be at Duke. I, That's I don't the good side of the person. transfer portal. Yeah, you can leave Duke. So yeah. maybe he finally breaks out. He gets some minutes. and I mean, he's a guy that's always been kind of a tease, right? Every time we watch Duke over the last couple of years, it's like, this O'Connell kid, he goes three of four from the three-point line. It's like, how does this kid not play more? 
you know, he's just not consistent. But maybe maybe now he has to be because he has to be a starter for them. Otherwise, you've they've got a, a terrific recruiting class. Mason Miller, I think, is going to be a really good freshman for them. The big guy, he's a big mm-hmm. freshman. He's he's Mike Miller's kid. Um, Ryan Nemhard is another one who I think could get some big minutes in the backcourt. And, and and then obviously they're talking about some of these JUCO transfer different transfers that they've got coming. They're going to be a lot of guys that have to play a lot of minutes for them, right? And, and it requires a lot of projection. I think their ceiling. I think late in the year this team is going to look a lot different than they do at the beginning of the year. That might not result in in a ton of wins. They might be looking at you know a subpar season. I think it's a team though that a year from now we're looking at and we're going watch out for Creighton maybe. That's exactly what I was just about to say. I think this is like a year from now team. Um, you know, you mentioned O'Connell, you mentioned, uh, Hawkins as a Juco transfer, Keyshawn Fazell, Fiesel, whatever you want to say, going from McNeese state. Um, he averages 13 points per game, nine boards, just double, double machine. So he's going to be relied on a lot. Um, and yeah, you mentioned, you know, their recruiting class, they have four top 100 guys. Um, you mentioned Mason Miller, um, Ryan Nemhard, point guard, Arthur Kaluma, another big guy. Um, and then Trey Alexander, who I think out of those four, he might he might have the biggest role just because it's sort of at a spot with that is their biggest need, which sort of the, is that wing spot. Um, so I think out of the four freshmen, it's going to be him who's sort of relied on the most. But they just have so much talent. They lost um, Zagorowski to the draft. They lose Mahoney, Balak, and J- Damian Jefferson. They're, I think they just all, all just graduated. And then Christian Bishop bolts for Texas. Um, so they lost – a ton of talent. Um, yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head when you said they're sort of the the year from now team. Yeah, I would agree with that. Yeah. Well, because you said it. That's true. I, I did. I said it. And it makes sense. I agree with what I said. Sometimes we don't always do that. Sometimes we say things we don't mean. You know, we want to take it back. Uh, this In this situation, I, do, I agree with what I said. I think I said the right thing. Okay, perfect. Um, let's, just, let's go over to Marquette. They have a new guy at the helm this year, Biggs. They do. Shaka Smart coming over from Texas. And I think I talked about this a while back where, you know, he had so much success at VCU. Um, you know, typically at VCU, a school like VCU, you're getting more high three-star, maybe some low four-star type of recruits. Then he goes to Texas and doesn't seem to have as much success. And it made me wonder if he's this sort of type of coach who is better with less talented players, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, maybe he does better with less egos and gets the guys in for three, four years and develops them instead of having one and dones. Could be something like that. I don't know. Um, but he's got some guys, um, you know, it's gonna, I think it's gonna be more of a rebuilding year. They do lose a lot. Um, DJ Carton's off to the NBA. They had a few transfers leave. Theo John goes to Duke. Dawson Garcia, who torched North Carolina, goes to North Carolina. Smart. Um, Yes, very smart. Um, they get Daryl Marcel coming over from Maryland, the talented guard. Um, they get Kur Kuath from sure. Oklahoma. Sure. Um, center, not a big stack guy, but, you know, a center, a big body. Um, Tyler Kolick, average double figures at George Mason. Um, so probably seven seven points per game here. Um, but I think this gonna, it's going to be a sort of rebuilding project. Um, they'd have to – they're sort of – Tier 3B, if that makes sense to you, Biggs? I do like that. Okay. Um, so, yeah, I don't – if they – I'd say a good year for them would be on the bubble. 
I, I would agree with that. Yeah, absolutely. I, I do think, again, this is another team that it just requires so much projection projection because they're losing so many guys. There's so many pieces coming in, coming out. I do. I agree. I think your Shaka point is spot on. I think he's a, I think he's a better coach than. I I think he's better than. I don't think he's a great fit at Texas. I I think he's a guy that if he were coaching at a Marquette, I've always thought if he if he were at SMU or Houston somewhere in that instead of Texas, I think he'd mm-hmm. be a lot more successful because I I do think he needs guys that are proverbial slap the floor type kids, right? He needs the kind yeah. of grinder three star guy who's going to pick up full court and play without a ton of ego at Texas. I think you're obligated to try to recruit different levels of kids. And, and, and those kids probably aren't as receptive to, to playing a role, right. And playing his kind of style. I also do wonder if his style just doesn't necessarily, I mean, he want, he wanted, he had a lot of success at VCU doing like this high energy press and trap run all over the, all over the floor and just out athletic people. That doesn't really work when you're playing Kansas instead of playing, um, you know, George George Mason, right? I mean, that's a little different kind of competition, and, and maybe that style is just more conducive to lower levels. That's or so it's probably going to work. What's or that? Could just be he's not you know coaching against as good of coaching talents. That's true. He was at VCU instead of whoever he was coaching at um, during his days at VCU. He's coaching against you know Bill Self and Chris Beard and all these guys. Hundred percent, hundred percent, and and the Big East is. It's got good coaches, uh, but I would take the Big 12 crop of coaches over the Big East crop of coaches any day. So yeah. I, I do think he's set up to have success. I don't know if that success is going to happen right now because they do have a lot of young guys and a lot of unproven kids. I, I think I think that Kolek could be a, a high-quality transfer. I, I actually think he could be one of those guys that, that breaks that whole 70% thing. I could see him maybe having an uptick in production just because he plays a lot more and shoots a lot more and all that stuff. You know, Daryl Morcel gives you already. I mean, that's a good start if you want to be a defensive coach. Daryl Morcel was the defensive player, uh, defensive player of the year in the Big Ten. It's hard for guards to be defensive player of the years in a conference, right? That just feels like generally kind of a big man award. That's a hell of a start if you want to start with defense. Say, hey, let's start with the Big Ten defensive player of the year. Mm-hmm. Uh, same with Quath from from Oklahoma. He's kind of a big physical presence inside. He's not going to give you a lot of production offensively, but he sets the tone and is just kind of a presence inside. So. I don't know. Maybe there's some pieces there. They've got, you know, they've got some young guys that they're going to have to break in a whole bunch of different freshmen that, you know, could be could be solid pieces, and they're going to have to earn minutes. And I guess we'll see what it looks like later in the year. Yeah, and this is a team. You know, we talked about Creighton being a one year away team. I think Marquette could also be, but just for different reasons. The reasons for Marquette being one or maybe even two or three year team away would be that you know. They have a new coach, and he's trying to build up a new program. And he's proven that he can do that at VCU. Um, I just don't have a ton of expectations for this team this year. Agreed. I, I just think in the Big East, I mean, it's just it's hard because if, if they're going to be better, somebody's got to be worse. And I just think there's a lot of teams that right now, I just they look better to me. Yep. Okay. Uh, let's see. We have just a few teams left here, Biggs. Let's go over to Butler. What do you think of Butler this year? Kind of forgot about Butler, to be completely honest with you. That was a team that that played a ton of young guys last year, um, and and I could and I could see them being a team that even though last year's record doesn't look great, I could see them being a sneaky kind of sneak up the ranks this upcoming year and kind of maybe maybe make a run. I think they could they could be a team that I think sneaks into this mix of that tier two. I think they're right on the edge of that. You know, you've got Aaron Thompson who missed a lot of time last year. I think he, he got off to an awesome start to the season. 
and then and then miss some time with injuries. But he's a kid who he, he he's not a great scorer. You know, he averaged ten points a game. He, he, I think honestly, you want him shooting a little less than that. But great defensively, great distributor. They played a couple of really solid freshmen, including Chuck Harris. Uh, Miles Tate was solid. Jacoby Coles. They, they so they they broke in some freshmen and force fed those guys minutes. They I think they've got a decent. They've got the bones of a team that could be pretty competitive. I think Bo Hodges has the chance, the potential to be kind of another, kind of a second year breakout guy for them. He was a transfer from East Tennessee State, um, so his numbers went down. He did the seventy percent thing. I think he's got a chance now to get back up and be kind of a physical presence for them, a two way wing player. I actually kind of it's another team I kind of like their yeah. depth. I don't know if they've got a high end guy, but I like kind of one through nine for them. As odd as that yeah. sounds. No, I agree with everything you said. Um, definitely a sleeper team. Um, they returned all five starters, and all five of those guys averaged in double figures a year ago. Um, they also returned – oh, also, I'm just going to add to this. They really lose no one who is a contributor from a year ago. Absolutely no one. They're Basically, their top eight guys returned. So I mentioned their, their five starters. Miles Tate, who you mentioned, six points per game. Jacoby Coles, six points per game. Bo Hodges, eight points per game. In addition to that, they – Add a transfer from Eastern Michigan who averaged 15 points per game there in Ty Grochi, uh, you know, just a swing guy. Um, so 15 points, um, 70% rule. I'd actually go a little further back just because they have all five starters. If he averages nine points per game, that's great for them. Yeah, absolutely. The, the question for them is can they, can they start scoring a little more? Because, I mean, they only average like 65 points a game or something. I mean, their numbers were just not – they had a hard time offensively, even though they've got good depth. Again, if you've got you know a bunch of guys basically averaging 10 to 12, is there a way that they can get easier baskets? Because their offense just gets stuck in the mud sometimes. And and I think that's just kind of the nature of the way Butler plays in general. I think Jordan, their head coach, Laval Jordan, he, he, he wants to play. It seems like a slower kind of defensive style. They, they want to grind out wins. Um you know, the question then is, can can they find a way to get a little easier baskets? Because their offense can just get ugly sometimes. Yeah, do this for me. Rank, Butler, Creighton, Providence. Oh, boy, that's tough. I, I like – oh, man. I think Creighton – Creighton, I think, is the team that – I think Creighton has the highest ceiling of those three. I think if some of those freshmen can pop, I think they could potentially really surprise people, but I think it's a little more boomer bust there, right? I could see Creighton maybe if things go well, being being really high. I don't know how to say what I'm saying right now. I, I like Creight. I think Creighton's the third of those groups, but I wouldn't be surprised if if again if some of those young guys can pop. I think they've got a little more oomph. You said say highest probably, ceiling, lowest floor. Yeah, I would say they've got the lower floor, highest ceiling. Thank you. That that was eloquent. I'd put yes. but, I'd go Butler, Providence, Creighton. I think I agree with you there. You agree? Yeah, we're just in lockstep here. Look at Have us. you heard that we're term? Riding. I said that to a coworker the other day, and he had no idea what I was talking about. Lockstep. Being in lockstep, they don't understand yeah. what that means. Yeah. You've got some dumb coworkers. I I agree. Well, one of them likes Oregon, right? It, it might have been him, to be honest. I hope he's listening. Probably. Hey, they beat <laughs> Ohio State though. That was fun. Yeah, let's not talk about that. Uh, we have one more tier two, and actually, they're sort of close to being a or. Tier two. We have one more tier three, and they're actually close to being a tier four for me. Um, a team who was sort of the Oregon State of the Big East 
from a year ago, but without the NCAA tournament success, they just went ass backwards into the tournament or ass backwards into the Big East tournament, won the Big East tournament, and then lost in the first round to Colorado. Um, they really don't return a lot. In fact, they lose a lot. Um, Javon Blair, Jamarco Pickett, Caduce Wahab is also gone. Um, the, their biggest gets as far as, you know, from the transfer portal are Trey King and Caden Rice, both, uh, you know, forward guys average 14 points and 17 points, respectfully. Um, but they come over from Trey King's from Eastern Kentucky. Caden Rice is from the Citadel. Um, I don't know. I just don't have a ton of expectations for this team. They have they do have some talented guards. Dante Harris, Donald Carey, they both average eight points per game. They're going to have to bump that up. But I feel like they were very inconsistent a year ago. Um, I don't know. What do you think about this team? I, I think a lot of what I thought about Oregon State, I kind of carry over the same thing with Georgetown. They haven't been particularly good over the last couple of years. They weren't particularly good last year. Uh, and they got hot late. Right, they got yeah. hot. They got really hot late, and that's what that, and that was kind of exciting. It was super fun, right? Watching them just blow the doors off. Didn't they blow? I mean, they beat Villanova. I think did they beat Villanova by like thirty? They beat someone in the Big East tournament by just yeah. like they crushed someone. Um, you know, but but I mean, realistically, if they like you said, if they don't win the Big East tournament, they're not making the tournament. They weren't a good team, and they lose basically everybody. So I don't know how I feel about that. I don't think that's. So I guess sometimes when you lose guys, it, it actually makes you better because it's like, well, you're a crappy team. Might as well get rid of some of your some of your guys that were crappy. But it makes it hard to have any idea what they're what what they're going to look like just because they they did they lost all of their pieces. And I, I don't know. I mean, I do think it's it's going to be kind of. I think it's going to be kind of the Aminu Muhammad show. Yeah, and they um, you know, we talk about that Big East tournament. They beat Marquette in the first round by 19. They beat Villanova by one in the second round. Seton Hall by eight in the third round. And then Creighton's the team you're thinking of. Big East Championship game. They win by 25. Only 25 for the Big East Championship. Yeah. So, I mean, they sort of – they just got hot at the right time. Um, And then, yeah, but they were 9-12 and going into the Big East tournament um, and then lose all this talent – basically the top four guys. So I, I just don't have a ton of expectations for this team. No, I think it's fun. They got Ryan Matumbo. That's Dikembe Matumbo's kid. Maybe he's good. That'd be kind of fun. Remember Dikembe Matumbo? He was cool. You must have. You must be on a different screen here because I'm doing the finger wave at you. Oh, no. <laughs> Remember those commercials that he was in where he's like he's like swatting the groceries away from like a grandma or something? That was great. And then running oh, off. Man. One of my students had never seen that. Remember the hump day commercial where the moose is like walking around? Give give that student an F. That's what I, I was like. It's hump day. And the kid looks at me. He's like, what? And I'm like, are you kidding me right now? I had to show him the video. It was, did, I, I did was appalled. Did, 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 the, did the rest of the class see it? Like how old is that commercial? That's a good question. number of them. Well, the commercial came out what? I feel like came out like maybe like 2012, 2013. What's that? Eight years ago? Let's find out. It was a great commercial. It was so funny. 2013, yeah. 2013. So, I mean, that's like eight years ago. So what grade was this? Yeah, I mean, if these kids are 17, I guess they're only like nine, eight, nine years old. I don't know. Still, I, I, feel, I feel like an eight or nine-year-old would be the people, like the type of people to get the biggest kick out of that. 
Yeah, they'd be impacted by that. Mike, 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 yeah. Mike, Mike. What day is it, Mike? I don't know. That's great. <laughs> All right, Vegas. We have I think this is going to be an Aminu. I think it's going to be the Aminu Muhammad show. He's a top. He's the top rated recruit coming in. Two four seven's got him as a five star guy. He's a top thirty recruit on the wing, kind of a two guard. He's going to get a lot of opportunity to pump up shots, put up some stats. I don't know. I think I think George Jones is pretty five bad. Star? What's that? Two four seven is five star. Yeah, they have him as a five star. He's a top. I think he's like in the 20, 25 range. Wow. Because so like when I do like my cheat sheets, I'm putting in like freshman rankings. I go on, I go off of ESPN, and they uh, have him four star and number eighty nine overall. Okay. Well, maybe they're, maybe they're more accurate. I've, I've never really cared for ESPN's rankings, but yeah. um, I guess we'll see. Maybe he sucks. Yeah. Um, let's see. One more team to talk about. The only tier four team who. Went five and fourteen a year ago. Um, another team just with a ton of transfer activity. Lose about, by my count, eight people to the transfer portal, or to the draft. Six people to the portal. One graduated. One to the draft. Um, don't have a ton of talent coming in. Um, really, Brandon Johnson comes in from Minnesota. Um, they do have Javon Freeman Liberty, who averaged fourteen points per game a year ago. Um, I should probably say the team. It's DePaul. Because even when I say Javon Freeman Liberty, no one has any idea what team I'm talking about still. No. Um, but a team who went 5-14 and 14 a year ago, missed the tournament, has a first-year head coach in Tony Stubblefield. Anything to add to that? You're right. A ton of transfers, right? I mean, uh, you know, Brandon Johnson had some nice moments for Minnesota. He's just like a solid role player. He plays good defense. You know, he can, he'll uh, he'll be a guard garbage guy for them. Yorane, who was a uh, – was a big man who played at SMU last year. He missed a ton of time early in the year because he was sitting out due to transferring, I think, and they were trying to work on if he could get a waiver or not. I don't remember what the situation was, but he started out at Oklahoma State. Good big man, um, you know, but he's not going to give you much offense. Tyan Grant Foster is a guy that I think could be an interesting kind of breakout guy. He, he went to Kansas. He was one of the top-rated – I believe he was the top-rated junior college recruit last year. And in general, it just feels like those JUCO guys take that first year takes them a while. It takes them; they need basically a redshirt year to kind of work their way into high major D one basketball. You know, so maybe that kid could be kind of a breakout guy for them. I I don't know. I think they're the worst team in the Big East, like you said, and we're trying to find some positives. Yeah, we're polishing a turd. <laughs> Polish a turd. It's still a turd. Yep. Um, let's see here. That's actually all the teams. Um, before we get into, um, some of our award predictions, do you have anything else you want to touch on? No, I mean, like, like I said, I think I would just continue to reiterate. I think this league's going to be interesting just with the amount of the amount of quality teams, you know, there's, there's just like a ton of, there's a ton of parody, right? I mean, I, th- I think we feel really good about Villanova. I, I think we know Villanova, I think has earned the right that we can consider them kind of the easy favorite. I think they are every bit the national title contender, you know, with their experience and their pedigree. I, I think the rest of the league is going to be really interesting, which makes for a ton of a ton of really interesting and, and enjoyable kind of potential matchups just on like a nightly basis throughout the year. Here, here's a question for you. Um, you know how the NFL does their um, parody thing, like where – such and such team beat this team who beat that team who beat the fourth team and they go like all around until they hit all 32 teams yeah at some point during the season it usually happens unless a team doesn't win a game um like the browns a few years ago now 
let's just remove DePaul from this conversation. Do you think we could have a parody situation like the NFL does? I do. I really do. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think it, it just kind of depends on – it really just kind of depends on the matchup for almost everybody. And I would even say Villanova. I think there are teams where Villanova could potentially have a hard time with – with a team like with a team like Seton Hall or a team like UConn that has big athletic guards that can kind of get up and like disrupt some of what Villanova likes to do offensively with kind of their continuity stuff, I, I think there are teams that could make life difficult for them just kind of on a random nightly basis. Yeah, absolutely. And and then you're talking like some of the experience with these teams that they have coming back. I mean, Xavier getting Paul Scruggs back, who's a four year starter at the point guard spot. UConn's got a ton of guys coming back. Seton Hall's got a lot of guys that have played, you know, like multi-year high major college basketball players. I just think there's a ton of experience from a high major league like this that that could make for a lot of, uh, like, like variance just on a night-to-night basis. Yeah, and then it's going to be interesting. We talked about, you know, sort of the two through the nine, and those are going to be some fun matchups. But in addition, like Villanova's obviously you know, far and above the best team in this conference. But they're going to be a team with the biggest target on their back too. So even they're even every game they're in is going to be a sort of a slug it out type matchup too. Yeah, every game they play is going to be kind of a rush the court situation. If you can knock off Villanova, like that's the biggest game of your season. So yeah. I'm I'm really fascinated with with Villanova, especially just kind of as an aside. They played really slow last year. We talked about that in the tournament. They became basically like all of a sudden they they had sneakily morphed into Virginia. They have played really slow. And because they shoot threes, I think people just kind of associate what Villanova has done in, in recent years. Like everyone thinks of Villanova as this, they're, they're like this NBA team, right? Space and pace. They shoot all these threes and they play the certain style, right? That's what we associate when we hear Villanova. That that wasn't them last year. They really had, they were, their depth was really compromised. They played extremely slow and, and grinded out a ton of wins. They're still a really good team. I'm curious to see if they start, if they pick it up a little bit more, if, if they can, because I think that'll give them a higher ceiling. The, the, the yep. really slow kind of pace, as we've seen with Virginia, Wisconsin, teams that do that, you have a potentially high floor in terms of you're going to pile up wins against a lot of people. But I think it gives you a low ceiling because there is potential variance for losing to people that, you know, you're just you're just naturally with less possessions going to be in games a lot more. I'm curious if Villanova tries to amp up their tempo again. Okay. All right, let's get into some uh, conference award predictions. Who you got as far as all conference? Five guys. I think my player of the year favorite's gonna. I'm gonna go with Gillespie, Colin Gillespie from Villanova. I think he. Uh, I think he potentially has. I don't think he's gonna put up the, the big stats. Like I think your guy Julian Champagne from St. John's is gonna put up big numbers. I think Gillespie's gonna be like a 14 to 16 point a game guy, four to six assists, couple rebounds. But I think if Villanova wins the league by three games and they're ranked in the top ten and they look like a title contender, I think that people value that kind of thing a little more than a team that finishes third, fourth, fifth in the conference from a guy who's just putting up big stats. Uh, that would be my prediction for Gillespie. Okay. I, I think Champagny's on the, on the list. He's definitely a, a player who's going to be in the all-conference range. Um, I would go with probably Zach Fremantle from Xavier. I think he's got a chance to be like a like an 18-10 and 10 guy. Uh, how many am I at? I lost track. You're at three. I can't even You're remember. three. I'm at three only. Okay. Yep. Let's go with – boy, do I want to put two Villanova guys? I'll say uh, – I'm going to go with – I really like Justin Moore, the other Villanova kind of combo guard. I, th- I think he's got a chance to lead that team in scoring. He's a guy that I, I really like Justin Moore. Every time I watch them play, he's like a big 
physical guard who can shoot. He can create. He handles the ball a little bit. He plays good defense. I, I would not be surprised. He averaged 12.5 or 12.9 points a game last year. I wouldn't be surprised if he ever – like he pumps that up thing, that, that up to like 18 a game. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't be shocked by that. I really like Justin Moore. He's one of my favorite players in the country. I, I, I'll put him on that list. And then I need a fifth guy. I'll go with uh, – I'm going to go with Kadari Richmond, the, the, the Syracuse transfer. Okay. At Seton Hall. Right. I like it. So yeah, I'll go through mine here quick too. Um, you know, you mentioned Gillespie as your player of the year guy. I've got Champagny as my player of the year. Yep. Um, just a guy who puts up a lot of points. I think he's in a good situation. The only thing that could sort of take away from his um, campaign for that would be if Posh Alexander does – you know, increase his production, which could take away from some of Champagne's opportunities. You know, he averaged, I think it was 19 points per game last year. Maybe that drops down to 16, 15, um, which isn't necessarily a bad thing. Um, I also, I know I had to get a Villanova guy on there. I actually went a different route. I mean, you also, you did have Justin Moore, and that's who I'm going with for, for my Villanova guy. Nice. Um, I, picked, I picked him over Gillespie, and I don't like having two guys on from the same team on all conference. That's why I just picked one. Um, but like you said, I, he averaged 13 points per game last year. That could be more of a high teens this year. Um, and the reason I picked him over Gillespie was just because, you know, with that injury, Gillespie could you know, maybe have sort of a slow start. You never know. Um, yep. I hope, hope it doesn't happen, but you never know. Um, I also had Zach Fremantle, who you mentioned from Xavier, you know, just a double, double machine um, sort of anchors the inside. And then, you know, it's going to be interesting to see with Jack Nunji in the fold um, maybe taking away some of the opportunity um, if that production drops a little. But I still have him as an all-conference guy. Um, a guy who you did not have – actually, two guys who you did not have. I have Nate Watson from Providence. You're Providence. I'm surprised you didn't get him. Yeah. Um, but I think he's sort of also a dark horse player of the year candidate too. Um, 16 and 7 a year ago. Maybe he gets up more towards 19 or 20 points per game this year. Um, and my fifth guy, I mentioned I I hate having two guys on the same team, um, but a guy who I think his role is going to increase a lot this year with Booknight being gone is RJ Cole. Yeah. Um, so I put him on there too. Um, I think he's going to have, he averaged 12 points per game last year. That could jump up to like, you know, 16, 17 this year. And you know, that could be enough to get him an all-conference spot. Um, top freshman, Biggs, who do you got? Boy, can I, I – I'm having a hard time with this one. I think I'm, I'm torn between Aminu Muhammad from Georgetown just because I think he's going to have a huge uh, – just amount of, like, opportunity to put, up, to put up a ton of shots and pump up his stats. And, and also, I think the other guy – I think there's a couple of different guys from Creighton. I really like – uh, you you nailed it with Trey Alexander. I think he's going to have a chance, and then I would also say Ryan Nembhard. I think has a potential a potential pathway for a lot of minutes in the backcourt for them. So I think he could potentially put up some solid numbers. And, and he's got he's got the pedigree too. He's he's been a high quality kid. He's got um, he he's got a pretty high ranking. He was a, a highly sought after player. I think one of those three. I would say I'm I'm going to go with Aminu Muhammad just because. Eh. Yeah, I'm going to go with Aminu Muhammad just because I think he's going to put up a ton of shots and, and average. His counting stats are going to look pretty good. Okay. Um, and, yeah, you actually mentioned who mine is. Mine is Trey Alexander for 
similar reasons to what you said, just because I do think he's going to have a lot of opportunity there to um, get touches, put up, put up buckets. Um, they lose so much. And he's coming into his spot. He's like, is he their top recruit? No, he's their second. He's number number fifty seven overall. Um, but you know he, he's gonna, he's probably gonna slide into one of those wing spots. Um, and you know he could easily average twelve points per game for them. Um, let's see, coach of the year. Who you got? Oh, coach of the year. Let's see. I am gonna go with. I'll go with Danny Hurley from UConn. I think UConn. I don't know what they're going to be picked to go in the preseason. I have a feeling they're going to finish second in the league. I think Villanova's winning the whole thing. Not the whole championship. I, I, maybe, I guess. I'm not sure. I haven't thought about it that far ahead. I think they're winning the Big East, which means, I guess, Jay Wright is, is always a contender, right? But I think – ha, you see what I did there with Wright? <laughs> no, yeah. No? Okay. Uh, no, I, I actually think, didn't. I think Danny uh, Hurley is – I can see Danny Hurley being the guy. I just want to say I'll listen to, listen for it when I edit this thing. Okay. And then I'll laugh at it. Uh, let's see. My guy, I've got – and I actually did the opposite of burying the lead here because I already mentioned that this guy could be coach of the year um, early on the show. I got Travis Steele from Xavier. You know, I just think he returns a lot of talent with Scruggs, Johnson, Fremantle. Um, and for a team that missed the tournament, even just making the tournament and, say, making the second weekend, which I think they could do, could get him coach of the year. Actually, no, they announced coach of the year. Let me rephrase that. Even him getting, say, the two or three seed for the Big East could get him coach for the coach of the year, considering that they missed the tournament a year ago. I buy that. All right, base. Anything else we need to talk about? No, I, I mean I, I like the Big East. I think, like I said, I, I think it's going to be one of the more enjoyable conferences to watch. Obviously, anytime you get Gus Johnson on the calls, like there's added there's added intrigue because he's he's great. Right, their, their games are always on Fox Sports One. It feels like so, you know, the Big East is is going to be, you know, interesting to watch. I, I just think that the parody makes for what's going to be a really fun year to watch on any random night. I just think there's always going to be potentially really good games because teams are so even, even across the board. And then I, I'm really fascinated with Villanova just to see what they look like in their non-con because I, I do think they're a, a title contender. Yeah, now I agree with that. I'm definitely looking forward to the parody. Just a lot of good matchups this year. It's almost like it almost compared to the SEC in football. You know, like Alabama's clearly the Villanova here, right? And there's there's all these other teams, you know, Georgia, Arkansas, all these other teams that throughout the year just battle it out and just have these slug fests. And I think that's how sort of how the big east is gonna be this year. So it's gonna be exciting. Yeah, for sure. I would I would I would push back on that because our dogs are usually you know, they're also like Villanova, where they just kind of dominate the competition. But I see what you're saying. LOL. All right, let's get out of here. Bye.